All right, we hope that you're great today and are so glad that you've chosen to join us for our service. Now, today what we're doing is we're continuing our new series, which is entitled Faith. And this is actually part three, picking up where Pastor Cole left off last week when he was talking about the life of Peter and how God wants to interact with us in our daily decision-making and even our lifelong decision-making in the everyday affairs that affect our lives. And today what we're doing is we're going right back into the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, and looking at the faith and the life of the patriarch Abraham. And as we look at the life of Abraham and his wife Sarah and how they actually interacted with God by faith, what we're doing is we're building off of the idea that we started with in the first message, that God wants us not just to have an immature faith that is only about what we believe, but it's a matured faith, a faith that matures over the course of time so that we know how to follow God by faith in our everyday experience with Him, which means that our relationship with God is not static, but it's dynamic. And in that dynamic, we live a life that has to make decisions about minor and major things that are ultimately going to impact our lives and impact those around us, whether it be our family members, our co-workers, our friends, all for the glory of God. And so today, if you have a Bible, let's open to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to pick up in verse 8, again, looking at the life of Abraham and Sarah. We're going to read the scripture, we're going to pray, and then we're going to have fun breaking it down to see how God's word applies to us as the people of God living by faith in God's word and direction today. So let's read. It says this in verse 8, by faith. Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, <clears throat> Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had an opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country." that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, 
from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. And so let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word today, and we thank you that you've given us, once again, through the patriarchs and matriarchs, an example of how we can live, not in a static relationship with you, but in a dynamic, thriving, adventurous relationship with you by faith. God, may we not only order our lives in such a way that we live with our wholehearted desire and our utmost desire to please you, but God, may we have the confidence through your word and the precedent set therein to live lives of faith today, a faith that you describe as commendable, a faith that you described as pleasing to you, and a faith that will ultimately glorify you, do the good for the world that you intend for us to do, and ultimately be the greatest blessing for our families as we follow you. God, we ask you for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so this is exciting. When we're living a life of faith, ultimately it's an adventure with God. It's an adventure with God where God says, you know what, I have good plans and purposes for you. In fact, when the Israelites were exiled in Babylon after their many years of disobedience and God's subsequent judgment upon them where he sent them in exile to a foreign land to Babylon where they neither knew the language nor understood the customs of the people, God said, listen, you're going to be here for 70 years, but through the prophet Jeremiah, he said in Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And surely you'll come and seek thee and you'll pray to me and you'll seek my face and you'll seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's what God said to the people of Israel. And so often in our lives, we are trying to build lives that we think will ultimately be best for us, be best for our families, be best for what we want to enjoy in life. Whether it be the comforts that we receive in our homes, the financial status that we're able to acquire, the types of opportunities that we're able to give our children and our posterity through the decisions that we are ultimately making on our own. But what we see in a life of faith that God exemplifies through the patriarchs and matriarchs is that our plans aren't always the best plans. They may actually end up being good to a certain extent, but oftentimes end up having us being driven by idols that aren't God and aren't God's plan for us that bring ruin to not only our health, but our mental states, our relationships, and end up being less than the blessed lives that God intends for us to live. But living a life of faith, by living a life of faith, we see that God's intentions, God's plans, God's purposes, and God's ways are what's best for our lives. It's what's best for you, and it's what's best for your spouse. It's what's best for your children, and it's best for your financial future. It's best for, ultimately, your eternal life in God after you die and are judged and have to give an account to the living God. Now, the beauty is, is that ultimately all of our faith starts with being reconciled to God, where we say, God, I know that I've lived a life of sin. I know that I've lived selfishly. I know that I've taken my life in my own hands and tried to be my own God. But ultimately, when you come after me, though I deserve death and hell because of my rebellion against you, you come to reconcile me through your son, Jesus Christ, his perfect 
life of sinless obedience that he lived before you to your commands, but also to your purposes, which ultimately his per your purposes for your son Jesus led him to the cross. And that cross was the source of our salvation. It cost him his life, but it became salvation for the world. And because Jesus perfectly obeyed the Father by faith himself, what happened was that he received the reward of his own faith, his own obedience to the Father, which was three days after his death on the cross, a resurrection from the dead. So that now as we turn away from our sin, our rebellion against God, and put our trust in what Jesus did for us at the cross, we have the opportunity to, number one, be forgiven of our sins, and number two, actually enter into the life of faith and the life of obedience by the power of God that God exemplified for us in His Son, Jesus. Now, what does that life of faith actually look like? That is actually going to be best for not only you as an individual, but your family and your posterity after you. Well, Abraham, the father of the faith, exemplified it when we're reading these scriptures. And so let's break, let's break down what God was speaking to us about that life of faith. Again, in verse 8, it says, By faith, Abraham went when he was called to go to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. And by faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. So ultimately, what we see is this is hailing back to the Genesis chapter 12 story. And Abraham, at the age of 75 years old, was given a command from God. God met with him in the midst of a polytheistic culture, and he actually said, I am one God and there's only one. And you are going to come out of Ur of the Chaldeans, Abraham, and you are going to go to the land that I have for you. And the first thing that we see in a life of faith is that whenever God calls us to himself, to reconcile us to himself, and ultimately to bring his plans and purposes through our lives, it demands a change. And that change for Abraham ultimately meant, hey, listen, go out of, come out of the place that you're familiar with. Come out of the way that you are familiar with living. Come out of all the people and the places. Leave your people, your place, and your household, and go to the land that I'll show you. Get out of the customs that were ultimately leading you to a life of bondage to sin. Come out of the ways of drunkenness. Come out of the ways of false and idolatrous worship. Come out of the sexual morality. Come out of the addictions that you used to have. Come out of the way that you treat your parents and your spouse that are dishonoring to God. And go to a different place. Go to the place that I'm going to show you. And though you don't know all that's entailed in it, I'm telling you that it's going to be good. And whenever we're choosing to live a life of faith in God, according to the example set by Abraham, we've got to be willing to change. We've got to be willing to change and say, God, the place where I've been living and how I've been living is not best for me. And I'm going to trust you that as I follow you, even though I don't understand all that it entails, even though I don't understand all that it's going to look like, even though I don't know exactly the full picture of where you're leading me, I, by trusting you, by faith, am going to get up and go when you say to go. And that's the beauty of the Word of God, that as we choose to live by faith, obey and go, change with God, and follow Him as Lord, what He does is ultimately, even though we're not 
fully familiar with the land that he's calling us to or the living that he's calling us to, we can trust him, obey him, and then it ultimately becomes better for our lives. We have better relationships with our spouses. We have better relationships with our children. We have better relationships with the world than the, uh, around us, whether it be our neighbors, our coworkers, or our friends. Ultimately, we come into the life of blessing that God has for us. But it ultimately demands a change. And what God's saying is, even, even if you're at the beginning of your walk with God today, or you're considering whether to make Jesus Christ Lord of your life, allowing him to be Lord of your life, what it requires of you to live by faith is taking that first step, just as Abraham did. Take that first step. And each day as you get into the Word of God, the Bible says that the Word of God is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. And ultimately, day after day, as you choose to trust and obey God, He'll make His purposes, glorious purposes, known to you. Abraham exemplified this and obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. And it said that by faith, he went to live in the land of promise. Now, that in and of itself is one of those words that the mature in the faith need to hear. That it's ultimately not just about what you believe about God, but when God calls you into his purposes, he calls you into the three Ps. He calls you to a place, to a people, and to a purpose. And this is what we see in the life of Abraham. That God said, leave the land that I'm, call, um, that I'm calling you out of and go to the place. And what was that place? That place was the land of Canaan, now known as modern-day Israel. So when you are walking with God in a maturing faith, what that means is that God actually cares about where you live. God wants you to follow him to a place where he wants to, number one, establish you in a community of faith that you can get to know him, walk with him, and grow in him. But he also, in that place, wants to use your life to glorify and make his kingdom known. So the place in which you live actually matters. And that's become a big deal. Over this past few years, over the pandemic, where people have been scattered abroad, and people are choosing for themselves the places, the communities, the neighborhoods, and everything where they want to live without actually consulting God. But Proverbs 3 says, Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways, and He will make your path straight. Your path straight to what? To the, to the land of promise that He actually has for you. And if you are called to walk with God, He's got a place, a people, and a purpose for you in that place. That's what Abraham exemplified and went to the place that God has for you. So here's a good prayer, prayer point for you that you should add to your to-do list. God, tell me the place that you actually want me to live. Is it here in this city? Is it in this particular country? Do I need to make career decisions so that I can actually be in the place that you want me to be? God says, if you're following him, he will bless you in the place that he calls the land of promise. Now, it said in verse 10, Abraham was looking forward to the city. And here's the beauty of it, that God can actually bless you in the city. 
according to Deuteronomy covenant, Deuteronomy 28 through 29, part of the covenant to the people of God is that, yes, it may be tough. Yes, it may take more effort. But God, when the youth people are living by faith, he said he'll bless them in the city and he'll bless them in the fields. He'll bless them in their going ins and he'll bless them in their going outs. And so what that means is to live a life of faith, you need to be prepared to live in a place, even if it's a city. Even if it's a city that you may not otherwise have chosen for yourself. Why? Because like Abraham, it said that Abraham, though he could have stayed in the place that he knew, stayed in the place that he was most comfortable, stayed in the place in which things going on around him were most familiar to him or most jived with him. He was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. And so ultimately, in all of our lives, we want God to be the one building our lives, not us building lives for ourselves. That will ultimately be torn down by imbalance, be torn down with workaholism, that will be torn down with broken relationships because we're erecting idols that damage not only our lives, but the lives of the people around us. We want to go to a city whose architect and builder is God. What that means is we want to follow God to the place that he has us and let God build our lives there. Let God speak to us about what he wants to do in the place that he's called us to. And here's the beauty of it. It has to do with you and the decisions that you're making, but it also has to do with your posterity. Because a lot of times we say, you know what? I feel God calling me to a place. And I recognize that place because of the community with which God's attached me, the godly, life-giving community that I have on my right and my left, my brothers and sisters who I've linked arms with, I've formed covenant with, just as I've formed covenant with God. And what we're doing is we're running in the purposes of God together. But then all of a sudden, the seasons of life change and you begin thinking about more than just yourself as an individual. You may get married and have a spouse. And then once you're married and have a spouse, you might begin having kids. And then all of a sudden you begin thinking, how can I best provide for and how can I best bless the kids that God's given me? How can I both best bless the spouse that God's given me as a gift? And we begin to gravitate to worldly thinking, thinking that our highest aim or our highest ambition is to give our spouses and our children the American dream. But let me tell you, people of God, that is not God's best. God's best is giving your spouse and your children the kingdom of God. And what that means is teaching them how to live by faith in the places, the, with the people, and in the purpose that God's called you to for his glory. And that's why it says in verse 11, <clears throat> by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past age, since she considered him faithful who had made a promise. What is he, she, he talking about there? He's talking about the fact that when Sarah received the promise, she was about nine to 10 years younger than Abraham. Abraham had the promise given him that he would be the father of many nations at the age of 75, which meant that Sarah was around the age of 65. And so her body, the Bible says, was as good as dead, which naturally meant she had gone through menopause at that time. 
She wasn't in a place where naturally she was going to conceive. But following God to the place with the people and to the purpose that God had for her, ultimately she was by faith able to even supernaturally physically receive the blessing of posterity because she trusted and believed God going to the place that he called their family to go to by faith in God's word. And it says that, listen, in that place, that's unfamiliar to you, in that place where the customs may be different, in that place where God says that the people might seem like foreigners to you, and how about this, even a threat to you. God says, in that place, I'm going to bless you. And I'm not going to just bless you, Abraham. I'm not just going to bless you, Sarah. I'm going to bless your children there as well. And let me tell you this, that has been our story. My wife and my story as we were called by God to leave a loving community that we had, a godly community from our sending church in North Carolina and moving to the city of Chicago where everything was unfamiliar, where the people were different, where it seemed the customs were different, the pace of life, the expense of life was actually different. And God said, I want you to go there and minister my gospel, and there I'm going to bless you. And that has been the story for not just my wife and I personally, but also for our children. Yes, we were able to raise our children in the city by faith. And God blessed our children, even in the midst of challenges, by faith. So much so that even when we talk to our kids today, would you prefer to live in the city or in a different environment? They said, no, we love the city because Chicago is our home. That is the land of promise, not just for you, dad, not just for you, mom, but that's a land of blessing and promise for us. And so it's become a family call where that God has provided financially, God has provided relationally, God has provided in terms of health and health care, God has provided everything that we need for life and godliness in him to obey him and glorify his name as we've chosen to love and follow him. And that's the promise of God when we choose to live by faith. And it went on to say in verse 12, Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as, and, and, as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. That was part of the Genesis 12 promise to Abraham that God said to him that I'm going to make you a mighty nation. And even as we came to a place where we did not know people, I always joke with people that the only thing we knew about Chicago before coming was WGN, where I used to watch the Cubs games, the Bulls games, and Saved by the Bell after school. <laughs> but the thing is, is that in coming to this place and obeying God, ministering his gospel, and doing his will, what God started to produce were spiritual descendants. And in this place, God has given us a brand new spiritual family, brothers and sisters, sons in the Lord, daughters in the Lord, who are walking in the purposes of God together, that God birthed a community by faith as we chose to trust him. So God ultimately said, in the place in which I call you, the land of promise, I have provision for you. I have provision for you and your family in every relational, emotional, future need that you have as you choose to trust me and obey me by faith. That is the life of faith that both Abraham and Sarah exemplified. It's the life of faith that God's called you to now. And so the question that you need to be asking God in your prayer time is, God, 
What is the place that you've called to me to? Like Abraham and Sarah. What are the people that you've called me, who are rather the people that you've called me to walk with? And ultimately, unto what kingdom purpose, what gospel ministry purpose that will ultimately glorify your name? And when you allow God to speak to those things, ultimately, your life will be blessed supernaturally, just like theirs were in God. But it went on to say in verse 13, these all, meaning Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, all that were mentioned in this passage died in faith. They all died in faith, not having received the things promised. Now, when he's talking about receiving the things promised, God blessed Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob financially. They were called wealthy men in the scripture. You see, being wealthy is not evil. It's what, what you do with your wealth that determines whether or not you're evil or not. But being wealthy can actually be a part of the blessing of God, as it was for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But it says they died in faith, not having received the things promised. What things was he talking about? The fact that they would become a mighty nation. You see, by the time that Abraham died, he hadn't become a mighty nation, though he had great possessions. He, in the land of promise in which he lived, actually only had one supernaturally born son and another um, born to a, a servant woman uh, named Hagar Ishmael, which is a whole nother story for another time. But it said that Isaac was his one son. And then Isaac later had Jacob and Esau. And Jacob and Esau, by the time they went down to Egypt, it said that Jacob was 70 in all, hardly a mighty nation. But step by step, God was generationally bringing about the promise that God had to the Israelites so that even today they are, like God says, the Jewish people are like the stars in the heavens and like the sand on the seashore, innumerable in number. And it said that having seen these things, they greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth, they lived by faith in the promises that God was bringing about through their lives as they walked with him. What does that mean for us today? It means that today, that just like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we too, by faith, are looking forward to the city, ultimately, whose architect and builder is God. We're looking forward to the new heaven and the new earth, our heavenly home, and bringing many descendants, spiritual sons and daughters, spiritual brothers and sisters along with us as we minister this gospel and make disciples in the earth. But it says, we, when we speak like this, according to verse 14, we make it clear that we are seeking a homeland, a homeland, a heavenly one, that we know that ultimately we're all going to die and then face God in judgment, that whatever we accumulate for ourselves on this earth, ultimately we're not going to be able to keep. The only thing that we'll be able to take into eternity with us are the peoples whose lives we've impacted for the gospel of Jesus Christ and also the reward that we receive for giving our lives, sowing our lives, spending our lives, sacrificing our lives in his kingdom purposes. And when we are looking and seeking a homeland, according to verse 14, it says that ultimately God is going to be not only the architect of our lives, but the architect of our eternal reward which is ultimately what we get to keep and what we want to be living for in the first place. But if we have been thinking about, if we're always thinking about, according to verse 15, the land from which we had gone out, 
It said they would have had opportunity to return. And if we're always looking around at what other people are doing or what other people have, the comfort that other people feel like it's their rights to have or to live in, the, the, the houses, the homes, the, the style of dress, the types of opportunities that other people think that should be their right as upwardly mobile people or American citizens or whatever place you find yourself listening to this, then ultimately we're going to have an opportunity to leave the life of faith and go into lesser things. Ultimately, that God will not reward and at worst judge because we've not lived a life of faith that pleases him, ultimately living, following him into the land and the people and the purposes of promise that he has for us. But it says in verse 16, as it is, they desire, and as we should desire, a better country. And God, in fact, says that his country, the one that the life that he's building, is a better one. And we should desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. And therefore, when we posture ourselves like this, God is not ashamed to be called their God, and he won't be ashamed to be called our God because he's preparing for us a city. A city, a heavenly one that we'll ultimately enter into at the return of Christ when we receive our heavenly reward. Now, to live this type of life of faith, I will tell you that it does demand sacrifice. It does demand sacrifice, and God at multiple points throughout your life will call you and test you by calling you to sacrifice that which can be seen as most dear to you. Now that's what we see in the life of Abraham when it says in verse 17, by faith Abraham, when he was tested, by faith, when you're tested, what will you do? Well, it said by faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. And to live in the life of faith. Let me end by saying this, that God will test us, and many times God will even put his finger on anything in our life, even if it's part of the plan to get us to his purposes in him. Whether it be a relationship, whether it be a career, whether it be some sort of uh, a thing you've been working for, if it has become more important than you, in your life than God himself, God will put his finger on it and say, offer it up. Offer it up to me to see whether or not we will obey him and whether or not we will continue to live in a life of faith. Not only in trust in him, but whether he can trust us to move in our lives through the purposes, in the purposes that he has for us. And in this case, Abraham, according to Genesis 22, was willing to offer up his son Isaac, even though God said it's through this son that you're ultimately going to be blessed. Why? Because Abraham knew that if I offer this son up, God is able to raise him back from the dead. And the very promise he gave me is not ultimately going to die if he calls me to sacrifice something that's important to me. 
whether it's a relationship or a career opportunity, whether it's some portion of my finances or where I want to live, God's not ultimately going to steal from me the very promise he's made for me. But he's going to use that test to firm up my faith and ultimately is able to bring back from the dead, raise back to life that promise that he's gave it, given me. So that means that if God's called you to a particular career to glorify him, God says, do it his way if you want to fulfill his purposes in it. Don't tell God that you need to, you don't have time for the kingdom. You don't have time for church. You don't have time for fellowship. You don't have time to give God your first and your best because ultimately you're fulfilling some dream or career he's called you to. If God has in fact called you to it, he says you're going to do it his way. And even if it takes some sacrifice from you, missing an opportunity that you perceive to be good, God is able to raise it from the dead and ultimately fulfill his purpose in you as you live by faith in him. And ultimately, what he'll be doing is building a life which leads to the city and the reward whose architect and builder is God himself. And that's the life that you want to live. That's the life that I want to live because ultimately it's the best life that God has said we can have in him. So as we close today, my exhortation to you is as we look at the life of Abraham and Sarah and even their children, Isaac and Jacob, children and grandchildren, what we want to appeal to you to do is begin to ask those same questions again. Am I living by faith and am I trusting God for the better life? the better country, the heavenly one, and the city that he's creating for me. Because do I ultimately believe that God knows best and that God can lead me to a better life, a better way, and ultimately the life that will glorify him and bring eternal reward in the end as I follow Jesus, my Lord. So let's pray. I want to pray, pray for my brothers and sisters, and then I want to give anybody who's not given their life to Jesus an opportunity to turn to him today by faith. And so God, I pray, thank you for my brothers and sisters today. And God, I pray that as they're making decisions, both small and great alike, both for their personal life and their careers, that God, they would make decisions according to acknowledging you in prayer and by faith, obeying your word. God, I pray that you give them confidence in the better city. I pray that you would give them confidence that your way is best for their family, for their children, for their lifestyle, for even their financial state, and even anything that they're going to put their hands to and hope to receive any type of joy and happiness from. That God, you have what's best in mind. And God, I pray that as they learn to take up their crosses day after day and even sacrifice that which is near and dear to their hearts, ultimately you would give them the vision and the hope of the better reward, the better resurrection, as they put their confidence and follow you by the faith of Abraham in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you say to yourself today, I've never started this faith walk with God. And ultimately, I know I've lived in rebellion to him, but I want to give my life to the Lordship of Jesus today. Would you pray this prayer with me? Almighty God, I admit to you that I'm a sinner and I know that I've lived in rebellion to your commands and deserve death and hell because of it. But I'm sorry today and I ask you to forgive me. God, would you make me a new creation today? Why? Because I believe that Jesus lived the perfect life that I should have lived. 
and on that cross died the sacrificial death that I should have died. And three days later, you raised him from the dead so that I could have not only forgiveness of sins, but new life in him. God, would you make me a new creation as I proclaim Jesus as Lord today? Thank you for your love for me and teach me how to love you as you've loved me from this point forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the good news is, is if you prayed that prayer, God said he's made you a new creation. So would you go with me to our website, secondcitychurch.com slash new life. There you can find not only resources, but next steps of how to walk out this new life of faith in community with other believers who are also living by that same faith in God. And so for all of us, let's go back into worship now and honor the one that we serve by faith in Jesus' name. Amen.